This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. We weren't mentally sharp right from the beginning. We had a game plan. We've played these guys dash enough. We know how to beat them. And, and we just weren't mentally sharp. You know, we had four shots in the first period and we had a ton of zone time. So usually that happens when you're just mentally not with it. And, but a bunch of games in here, it's bound to happen once. Hopefully that's the last time it happens here for a bit. How do you deal with mental fatigue? That is something Dave and I may discuss a bit as the Tampa Bay Lightning fell to the Dallas Stars last night, 4-3. to three. Are you concerned about the quality of play as the playoffs near for the whole league? As we get you set here on a Friday, Tampa Bay taking on Carolina tomorrow night. That should be a good game. And then after that, I think kind of an important stretch for the Lightning. They've got a couple of days off. That could be big as they try and reset, not only physically, but as you heard John Cooper say on that soundbite, mentally. I am Greg Linelli. Let me bring in my co-host, Dave Michigan, of course, the radio voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Steve Ersnick, our producer. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. We are discussing a couple of those topics, and we'll go around the league as well here on this Friday. But Dave, you know, I, I don't like to chalk up a loss basically to the schedule. I think it's easy to do that. But I will say this. I think if you do believe in scheduled losses, that might have been last night as close as you'll come, at least convincing me that that was the case. And even with all of that being said, you tell me the Tampa Bay Lightning are tied 3-3 with five minutes to go in a game on the road with Andre Vasilevsky and Nett. Chances are, I feel pretty good they're going to come away with at least a point. So it didn't happen, and give credit to Dallas, but the team does look a little fatigued, and if there is such a thing as a scheduled loss, that might be as close as we're going to get to one with with regards to last night. The only thing I would say about that, Greg, is that Dallas has had a similarly busy schedule, and I think the Stars are also dealing with fatigue physical and mental. So how are they able to get the upper hand for much of last night's game, if that was the case? And I have the answer, and I think you do too. That game mattered a lot more to the Stars than it did to the Lightning. They had to find a way to summon the energy. And I think that manifested itself in in how much more possession time they had, how much more dangerous they were. Although John Cooper is right, in the first period – the Lightning probably had more possession time. It was a weird period, and you and I talked about this on the broadcast last night during the first intermission. So shots in the first period were 11-4 to Dallas, but it wasn't like the Stars dominated the first period. It was a really quiet first period. There weren't a lot of scoring chances. Gurionov had one really good one near the end of the period for the Stars. Kalorn had a pretty good one for the Lightning in the slot during the first period. It was... It was a low-scoring chance period on both sides. And I think I said that it almost had a feel of like an early preseason game where the teams are kind of skating up and down the ice, but not much was happening. That changed in the second period because both teams had a lot more dangerous chances in the second period, but the Lightning yielded more of the chances. They gave up 21 shots, and that in and of itself – it's not the, the end of the world, although it is a high for shots allowed in a period for the Lightning this year. 
because let's say 15 of those had been routine saves for Vasilevsky, we wouldn't we wouldn't make as much of the 21 shots against. The problem was is that a lot of those shots were dangerous shots where the Lightning had bad turnovers or untimely turnovers, loose coverage, guys in the wrong spot, etc. The Lightning also had a fair number of scoring chances, though, in the second period. They themselves had 14 second period shots. So maybe that was a function also of the Stars maybe losing their attention to detail. But the Lightning were worse in that regard. And that continued into the third. I mean, the Stars, I thought, kind of sat back a little bit, up 3-2, to two and just tried to defend well. And, and for the most part, they did. The third period was closer to the first than it was to the second in that not a lot seemed to be happening for much of the period. But after the Lightning tied it, the Stars made a push, and there was one more breakdown that was a significant one for the Lightning where Hintz was able to split the Lightning D, Hedman and Ruta, and and score on on an in-alone chance, like a breakaway from the blue line in, and, and that was your ball game. So I think we can look at it and say both teams were fatigued and – because the game mattered more for the Stars, I think they were able to get dialed in maybe a little bit more than the Lightning. But if you're going to say, is this cause for concern? I think the cause for concern is the Lightning did not play to their standard. They were way, way below their standard. But there's no reason to believe that they can't get back to that standard, which they have done repeatedly after subpar performances in other games this year. And I do think a couple of days off after the Carolina game may help in getting back to that. And they may even have it in the Carolina game Saturday. We'll find out. I thought also it was interesting in that game. I thought Ottinger played well, but the goals he gave up, some juicy rebounds. Yes. And he made the save of the game. You know, sometimes you can circle that in the first period and the third period. This happened to be in the second period where Andre Pilat. You know, most times the not Dave's going to deposit that puck in the back of the net. And the Lightning, I think at that point, right, we're up 2-1. Yeah. He gets that goal. They're up 3-1. And I, I don't know, again, Dallas's urgency might have gone back up. But that also could have been pretty deflating. Because Dallas, up to that point, I think was doing what they wanted to do for the most part. They were keeping Tampa Bay in check. They were generating some offense. But sometimes you need a, a goaltender to make a play. And make a save. We've seen that from Vasilevsky over the years. Ben Bishop, of course. And he made a brilliant desperation-type save on Andre Pilat. Is the game different if Pilat scores that goal? Don't know. But you're up 3-1 on the road against a team who hasn't beat you this year. That'd be pretty deflating for me to handle. Give credit to Ottinger. We highlighted him in the pregame a little bit. Rick Bonus says he's going through some ups and downs, but they really like what he is doing and his future for them as a, uh, a number one goaltender down the road. He's learning on the job, but uh, he came up big, Dave, at, at a pretty impactful time, and I, I think more times than not, Palat's probably going to score that goal, but last night it didn't happen. So I guess I'm wondering, what is more important to you, to you, Greg, when we look back at last night's game or any game for that matter? Is it more important that the Lightning get the result, or is it more important that they play the way that they are going to need to play or closer to the way they are going to need to play once the playoffs begin. Because they, they didn't mark either box yesterday. <laughs> they, right. they lost the game and they didn't reach the standard. But I think that there were some holes in their game that we would be talking about even had Palat scored there. 
and let's say it's three to one and the Lightning find a way to, to get two points out of that game, or maybe it goes to overtime and they get one point and, and lose in overtime, I think we would still have some justification in bringing up these points about how poorly they played with puck management and coverage. And we've done that in other games where they've had problems in those sure. areas, whether they've won the game or lost the game. And and I guess to me, they don't want to go on a like seven-game losing streak. Certainly not. I'm not suggesting that. But where they are in the standings and understanding that we have been over this repeatedly, the important thing for the Lightning is to get into the playoffs. I think it's more important to see them playing the way that they are going to need to play heading into the playoffs than making sure they get a result. And I guess it was the opposite what you were bringing up, which is maybe they weren't going to be playing well last night based on circumstances, but they, they still could have gotten points out of the game. I guess to me that's almost secondary because of where they are in the standings. If they were in the position of the Dallas Stars, you're like, give me points however, <laughs> wherever, whenever, give me points. The Lightning, I think, are in a position where they love the points and they'll get their points, but they need to hone their game in these last, what is it, 23 games left in the regular season. Season, And part of that is is getting re- refreshed and recharged and the challenge of doing that and sometimes you can get more dialed in after you get smacked around a little bit, which figuratively they were smacked around because they didn't play very well, and, and that was eye-opening for them. So I understand what you're saying about that that play in the game and from the Dallas side, that was a huge, huge save for Ottinger. But I think at the end of the day, the number of turnovers the Lightning had and how how poor they were in their coverage is, is kind of the lingering storyline for me. Understanding it was their seventh game in 11 days, they had neither McDonough nor Chernak in the lineup, and they had to play with 17 skaters based on the, this cap situation. See, I think so, everything... Yes, they're extenuating circumstances, Correct. but if we're going to look at that game just as the game itself, it's more important for me to say, let's make sure the Lightning are cleaning up their game rather than, boy, that was a big save that cost them a point or two. Understood. And I, I think a, a couple of things to to those points. You know my philosophy, and I think you're on board with it. I think it's hard for teams to play really well for 60 minutes, um, even even be really good throughout a 56-game schedule. And so there's going to be games where you're not have your best. If you find a win, I actually think that's a positive because I think in the playoffs that's going to happen too. Yeah, I think there's going to be times where you're kind of ropey-dope. You know, you're getting punched, you're getting beat, and maybe you win a game 3-2 and you're outshot 40-24, to but you found a way to win, and you can come back and say, look, we didn't play particularly well, but we found a way to win. I think that's a sign of a good team. So to answer your question on that, um, I probably would still look at it that way. If they found a way to win last night, I would have said, you know what? That's just a sign of a really good team. They found another way to win. It wasn't and we've pretty. we said that this year. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't pretty. And sure, you want to hone their game. And I think the Lightning, to your point, you kind of answered, I think, the question. They typically rebound pretty well when they don't find their game, whether they win or lose uh, on a particular night. The next night, or maybe it takes them a couple of games. Maybe it takes them losing three out of four to eventually get back on track. I give them the benefit of the doubt, Dave, that they'll figure that out. And I think you almost – it depends on – who you're asking when it comes to is it more important in fine-tuning your game or picking up points. 
I kind of look at it and say, well, it, it, it depends on if you're one of those people that really believe first place makes a difference. Because there will be some people, Dave, that will tell you, you know what? I kind of agree with Dave and, and Greg that I think the Lightning are going to make the playoffs. And, you know, while I think Chicago's going to be less difficult than Florida or Carolina in the first round, I still think the Lightning are the better team. Just get in and it doesn't matter. But there are going to be some people who say, you know, look – Every point matters, and I want to stay away from that 2-3 matchup, and I need those points because I want to take on Chicago because I want an easier time in the first round. So for me, I don't think it really matters uh, picking up points at least last night, but I let's put it this way. I would have looked at it if they won and said, yeah, that's just, that's just a good team finding a way to win when they're not at their best. And I kind of acknowledge that going into the season that even a team like Tampa Bay – is not going to be great or even good every night. But if they find ways to win, I think there's something tangible to take from that, understanding that I think they will correct their mistakes. Now, if we're talking about some other team, Dave, that doesn't have the bounce-back abilities like Tampa Bay after a poor performance, then I think we look at this and say, man, they, they need to start playing the right way. I understand they won, but they need to start playing the right way because I think some bad habits are creeping into their game. I'm more inclined to give Tampa Bay probably the benefit of the doubt that they'll get this rectified sooner rather than later. And why are bad habits creeping into their game? It's it's like the double whammy. Yeah, so I think it's play, fatigue. Yeah, when you play a lot, you tend to get more fatigued, and the the mental fatigue can cause you to make mistakes that you maybe otherwise wouldn't be making if you are fresher. But also when you play a lot of games, you have less practice time. And I know Brian... Engblom and you have talked about this that actually getting on the ice and working through drills can help reinforce good habits so it is a double whammy right you're playing a lot sure. getting getting fatigued and you don't have the time to correct things in a practice which is why Derek Lalonde made that crack about you know the coaches are marking all the things they want to work on and the first full practice after this trip is going to be Monday and said, it might be a six hour practice. It's not going to be a six hour practice. <laughs> It'll be five be hour and 30 minute practice. <laughs> that would be counterintuitive to trying to get sure. refreshed and recharged. But yeah, uh, I, I think that the schedule does have a lot to do with this. In addition to the injuries, they were shorthanded on defense. They were legitimately or literally shorthanded at forward with only 11 available forwards to, to be used in that lineup yesterday. Yeah, and I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and we're going to get to some reactions, and uh, maybe I'm not surprised at disbelief's probably not the right word, but a little shocked that maybe the Lightning weren't as crisp. And for everything you just mentioned, that the Lightning were playing down one forward, they didn't have, arguably, Dave, their best defenseman over the last couple of weeks, and Eric Chernak in the lineup. Ryan McDonough is out, so two of your top four defensemen aren't playing. You're going against a really desperate team who needs points. I, I can't uh, reemphasize that enough. And then you factor in the schedule, and I'm sitting here going, you know what, guys? Honestly, they they were five minutes away from picking up a point. And I, I think sometimes we, and I'm not saying us, I think in general, as, as the fan base watches this team, I think sometimes we just have to look at the situation presently and say, were there other circumstances involved in how this game played out? And the answer to that question, for me, is absolutely. And with all of that being said, I give credit to Dallas because I think sometimes this is the other point I made on the postgame show last night. We've talked about this on the show here. We have a tendency 
to get salty when your team loses and you take it out on your team. Well, this guy didn't do this and they took another penalty and oh boy, Johnson had a turnover and I can't believe this. I can't believe that. And, and some of it's valid. But the other thing too is the other team gets paid to win games and be professional. And Dallas is allowed to win a game here and there. And you know what? They haven't done a lot of it against Tampa Bay, Dave, over the last six games, if you want to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals and into this year. So I think we need to factor that all in and sometimes just say, with all of that being said, the Lightning had a real opportunity to uh, pick up points, and it didn't happen. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And you know what? I'm actually kind of excited for the game tomorrow because a a team like Carolina – is the team that I'm kind of looking at and saying, you know what, I think eventually these two teams are going to meet, and I think they are the cream of the crop in the Central Division. And as we understand it, because we read the information that was put out there, Eric had a really good description of it in his article earlier today on lightninginsider.com. Dave Randorf also tweeted it out yesterday that the rules stipulate that if you are – in need of having an emergency recall, you must play one game short. So the Lightning did that. Now, we don't know if Chernak is going to be able to return tomorrow. And if he can, I don't know what that does to this metric of the emergency recall situation because the emergency recall would have been at the forward position. But maybe if you have Chernak in, you can send Luke Shen back to the taxi squad his salary cap hit goes to zero, and then you could summon Ross Colton. Presumably, he's going to be the 12th forward. The problem with, with the game yesterday was you got McDonough and Chernak on not long-term injury, so their their cap hit remains what it is, but they were injured and unavailable to play. And so unless you wanted to go with five defensemen, which the Lightning did not want to do, you have to you have to bring up Luke Shen from the taxi squad. His salary cap hit kicks in. And now you can't also add Colton, if, if I'm understanding what happened correctly. So for the sake of argument, let's say Chernak is not able to play tomorrow. The Lightning already had one game where they played short. Now you can add Colton without absorbing his cap hit. And he is your emergency recall player because he has to make under, I think it's a million dollars this yeah. year, which he does. So... The, the playing short, that was a one-game thing. But the playing without Chernak and McDonough could be more than a one-game thing. For McDonough, it could be more than a two-game thing. We'll have to wait and see. We will, and we're going to take our questions. When we return, we'll dive into these. Our little mailbag at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Ersnick is producing... What do you make of what happened last night when you talk about mental fatigue? How do you deal with it? And are you a little concerned about the quality of play in general as the playoffs near for the whole league? We'll talk about that when we return on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. You guys starting to see a little bit of a trend out there with the sloppy play. Does that mean more goals are being scored? You know, Dave, I follow Pittsburgh probably right behind Tampa Bay, as close as you would imagine since I'm from there. And they are dealing, speaking of 
the schedule. They are dealing with a ton of injuries. I don't know if that's related to the schedule, but I'm sure it adds to it. But good news for them, Dave. They have like a bunch of games against the Devils and Sabres, and they actually might be able to build up some points there to be one of the top four teams in their division. Buffalo stinks. Well, the Flyers are a mess. The The Flyers are in a a free fall. They are. I mean, well, you know what? I'm and looking you know at the what? standings. I'm looking at now. Part of this is because the Rangers and Flyers played twice, and it's affected this goal differential. But the Rangers, so like when we talked to most people at the start of the year, the people who weren't just crazy high in the Rangers were like, "Yeah, this is a five-team race for four spots: mm-hmm. Islanders, Capitals, Bruins, Flyers, Penguins, all playoff teams last year. It, even without the play-in, like if the playoffs had just taken the top eight. Those five teams from the East would have would have made the playoffs. And the Rangers and Flyers now are tied for fifth. The Rangers have a goal differential of plus 17, <laughs> and the Flyers have a goal differential of minus 19. It's, it's unbelievable. Now and they I'll, absorbed, I'll, what, a 9 nothing and 8-3? Hold on, hold the two on. Games against did you, the did Rangers? you hear that? I think that was Mika Zibinijad who just scored again, <laughs> yeah. apparently. I would like to play every game against the Philadelphia Flyers, well, please. <laughs> and let me give you credit. A little pat on the back for you. I, I was higher on Philadelphia than you were. I know before the year started, you weren't necessarily really? drinking the Flyers Kool-Aid. I don't remember that because I love the Flyers in the bubble, which is interesting because people are like, the Flyers weren't in, in good enough shape, which is why they lost. I was really impressed with how structured they were in that round-robin game and how well they played down the stretch before the season All right, paused. so it was the other Dave Michigan that I was talking to. Uh, yeah, that must it. have been I mean, somebody. Maybe you had, I, I was maybe talking you to myself. <laughs> I was talking to myself. But <laughs> I think whoever I was, not, I was talking to. I was to. not sold on the Rangers necessarily, <laughs> and there's no guarantee the Rangers right. are going to find their way to get in, and they're only 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. But, you know, you beat a team 9 nothing and 8-3, that should be worth more than four points, don't well, you think? Well, you know, and <laughs> I – five points. I actually, in fairness, I actually felt like Pittsburgh was the team in decline. They've actually showed me a little bit in terms of yeah. being mentally I strong. interrupted your point. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 so no that's okay. So continue about Pittsburgh issue, beating up on Buffalo well, and Well, Buffalo stinks. I want to get back to goals scored, but getting back to Philadelphia, there are some things that are just so true, Dave. And the Flyers continue to have goaltending issues. <laughs> I mean, Carter Hart has a goals against over four. Over four. Dave, I think that's why a lot of people felt like they were going to be a team in that division that was going to come out and maybe be the best team out of the group you mentioned because they were finally getting that elite goaltending. I am sorry. They are a mess. And as we know, as we know, look at the Lightning division. There are questions everywhere about goaltending if you are not solid back there I don't care how good you are up front and ironically out of all the teams in their division they're the ones who are struggling the most at the goaltender position that's been a bit of a surprise so that that was just the one point I wanted to make it about Philly that goaltending problem has lasted as long as one Ron Hextall I mean honestly but how much and I, I confess I haven't been watching their games other than seeing these crazy box scores but the Flyers were so structured last year under yeah, Vino. I know. And so their goaltending was good, but they were so good defensively in front of their goaltending last year, I'm talking about, sure. and, and during their time in the bubble. And what has happened? 
Yeah, they've been How are they it. giving up all of these goals? Know. It's well, because not they just goaltending. They have a decent back end, too. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, and they played really well as a five-man unit. That was what was noticeable about them during the time that, that you know, we watched them. I watched a lot of their games in the bubble last yeah, year. I know you did. So, like, Montreal gave them a really good series. Yeah. But it wasn't like Montreal was generating all these scoring chances. That was a series in which both teams really dug in and defended well. Right. And then the Islanders, I thought they did outplay the Flyers, but it wasn't like the Islanders were were breaking down the Flyers left and right. I mean, they they scored some big goals at key times, uh, if memory serves in that series. And they were the better team in that series. They deserved to win sure. that series. But you know, the Flyers the Flyers makeup last year, the reason why they felt they had taken a step forward was Elaine Vigneault had instituted mm-hmm. solid structure. And had buy-in from his his players, and they were they were executing it, and they have they have completely come off they the rails have. this but year. The bigger point I think we wanted to get to, in addition to some questions we have coming in via Twitter at Bolts Radio, we are seeing maybe more goals scored right now than you typically would yes. in a regular season, and that kind of goes back to maybe I don't I don't know where you sit on this day, but maybe this is where it goes back to a lot of games being played, not a ton of practice time. Sure, you're doing video sessions. That's more mental than physical. But I'm wondering if this is part of the the after effects of just playing a lot, not practicing a lot, yeah. and maybe some fatigue thrown in there as well. Well, I think it can be. I mean, we watched the game last night, didn't we? Now, the Tuesday game between the Lightning and Dallas was different. I thought both teams looked a little mentally fatigued, but that manifested itself in terms of their inability to, to kind of generate chances, which is what John Cooper talked about in the first period from last night's game. He said, we had a lot of puck possession, but we really didn't do much with it, and that can be a sign of mental fatigue. But also attention to detail and the lack thereof can be a a byproduct of mental fatigue. And if you are sloppy in terms of your attention to detail, it can open the door for the other team to score some goals. And we saw some fairly high-scoring games yesterday. Now, there were some shutouts. Minnesota has been very good defensively this year, and they had a 2-0 shutout. Chicago shut out the Panthers to complete a two-game sweep of the Panthers. That was a big two-game set for the Hawks, and we've talked about them a lot recently because the Lightning had seen them a lot. But I think the Panthers had like 30 shots through two periods, so that was a lot Kevin Lankinen. And, and the Hawks getting some timely offense early. And then the other shutout was the, the Pittsburgh shutout of Buffalo, and Buffalo is a mess. But if you look at the other games, a lot of them were 4-3. The Lightning were 4-3. Colorado had five. Nashville scored seven against Detroit, which is another team that, is, that has obviously struggled this year. And I wonder if this will continue. Usually in the second half of a typical regular season, you see the teams that are – are going to advance to the playoffs, certainly kind of buckle down defensively. Games become lower scoring. You tend to find more overtime games too, because if only a couple of goals are scored in a game, the game is more likely to be close and therefore maybe more likely to go to overtime tied at one or something like that, or maybe two, two. And I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I'm looking at the games played Greg right now around the league so we kind of thought of the Lightning as one of those teams. They got to make up a lot of games. They, had, you know, the four games postponed against Dallas. They had to make up a game against Carolina. This game got moved. That game got moved. The Lightning have kind of pulled themselves into, I would say, the middle of the pack 
to the to the higher end of games played, which in a way is is a good sign. <laughs> Circling back to this, how do you recover when you're mentally fatigued question? And what this tells me is down the stretch, these final 23 games, the Lightning are going to have more of a regular busy schedule than a crazy busy schedule. The teams that are dealing with a crazy busy schedule may have to battle through the effects of being tired and and which teams are going to be dealing with crazy busy. Not very, very many other teams in the Central. Dallas is the lowest team, and we've talked about their rigorous schedule. But you know... The Boston Bruins have actually played one fewer game than Dallas. They have they have had some very bad luck with their, a lot of their opponents having COVID protocol related postponements. I think they've had one. I don't even want to call it an outbreak, but I think they had one situation where a handful of their players had to go on the protocol list. But there are twenty nine games. They have a lot of games to make up. They're just past the halfway point. And, you know, that that North Division, which up until recently had been in pretty good shape, they've got Vancouver with 37 games played. Now, Vancouver might miss the playoffs, maybe not, but they have a pretty reasonable schedule down the stretch because they haven't really had to have any games postponed. Ottawa is going to miss the playoffs, but they're at 36. Most of the other teams around the league, Greg, are like 33-34, right where the Lightning are. Yeah. So... Do we want to say they've done a lot of their heavy lifting to kind of pull themselves back into the middle of the pack? It's still busy, but maybe the answer to that question is yes. You know, their last really super busy stretch is the final eight to nine days of the regular season. And I think at that point, we hope the Lightning will have locked up a playoff berth and maybe they're in a position where they can massage the lineup a little bit which you've talked about, whether sitting a guy or playing some of their top guys less because you're into game 53, 54, right? Yeah. Like these games aren't going to be as impactful as opposed to looking at this North or the East division, excuse me, Bruins, 29 games, Devils, 31 games. I mean, that, that's a lot to make up. And, and, the fact and they are going to be dealing with that crazy, the crazy busy schedule the rest of the way, not just the regular busy. And the fact it looked like uh, last night Tuka Rask left with an injury. Yeah. And that's not good. And the, the Bruins are not – It's like I kind of feel like every time I see a Bruins box score, they're either winning or they're getting a point, like they got a point in overtime. They only have a three-point lead on the Rangers. Yep. And I know they have the games in hand, but they're in fourth place. I mean, they are not in a comfortable spot, which well, is surprising. Rangers- the Rangers, remember, it, it wasn't too long ago where they were just awful. And you yeah. know, the Panarin situation where he had to leave the team a bit, and you know that was maybe hovering over them. And it's, it's amazing what can happen in a week if you string some wins together. Now, the, yeah. the question I think always Divisional is, only play, too. Yeah, and I think that's a big deal. But what makes, what makes Dallas's situation, getting back to them for a second, so hard is that it's not how many points you need to make up. It's how many teams also you need to jump over. Yeah. I think that's always what gets me when you're talking about a team fighting for that last playoff spot. And, you know, I get it. Look, Dallas is a five-game winning streak away from maybe jumping into fourth place. But then you also have to look at and say, well, what did Nashville, Columbus, and Chicago do, too, during that time? Yeah. And that's really hard to 
to analyze. But and yesterday, those teams either won or got a point. Yeah, right. And that's why it was impressive, too. Dallas is probably thinking, man, we beat Tampa Bay in regulation, you know. And uh, you had Nashville who won, and they've won three in a row. Columbus overtime loss So in Chicago. I mean, they, they've all picked up points, to your point. But especially on a night when you beat the defending Stanley Cup champs, it hasn't happened often for Dallas. As I said to you, this year and the last couple of games of the Stanley Cup Finals, they've been beat up pretty good. And they probably felt like, man, we got to win, and we didn't really gain anything in the division. And I think that can be a bit heartbreaking for them. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, let's get to a couple of questions here. Al says, question for you and Dave, is the grinding schedule and mounting injuries causing mental fatigue, which in turn causes mistakes? Would the league be wise to take a four-day break so the teams can regroup, rest, and refresh? No, 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 no. Well, maybe (laughs) it would be wise, but the league is not going to do that. They want to get this regular season done. Teams have already had breaks, unintended breaks, because they've had games postponed. So, no, I I don't think that's going to happen. It might be the right thing to do, but the league has to try and get these these games in. To the breaks, out the I will say season. this, not every break is created equal. And to have a break at the beginning of the year when you're still relatively fresh, yes. a little bit different than what you would face now. The other thing, too, is those teams that had a break, to your point, Dave, some of the teams that have only played you know, under 30 games or you know, 30-31, that's an unhealthy schedule. Let me just say that. Is the league going to jump in and extend the regular season by a week and give teams – a pause? Probably not. Let's be realistic here. I think their goal to what you said, and I think it's an accurate one, is to finish this season and set yourself up for a full 82-game schedule next year. I I do think, I think it is a legitimate complaint, if you want to say it, or maybe a, a side effect to that, wanting to get this schedule played and getting next season underway, is that I, I think we are in a little bit of some uncertain times with how Will the bodies hold up over the last year? And I'm throwing by the time next year comes around. When you talk about all of the games being played in a short amount of time and then the quick turnaround when camp starts for next year. I think that is a legitimate point to bring up. I, Dave, I don't, I don't know how you get around it. I don't. I mean, if you, if you were going to – the only way you would do that is to cancel this current season and just say we're going to gear up for next year. But – we understand the reality of that just couldn't happen. The league needed to retain revenue and also allow teams with fans in the stands to make up for lost revenue. That was a big part of getting this season underway and then getting refocused and getting everybody back on track next year. But the only way you were going to deal with quote-unquote player safety and the health of the players really outside of dealing with COVID and making sure they were safe the only way you were going to really do that is if you canceled the season because now you don't have the wear and tear and of the body trying to make up all these games in a short amount of time. The league's just not in that position. I'm not sure that was ever an option. I mean, I'm sure it was, but realistically, I don't think it was ever going to happen. And this is where we are. The players agreed to it. It's going to be tough on everybody, no doubt. And I think keeping an eye on the players' health for next year is going to be something to watch for. So... It's interesting that, like, we've seen some teams that have had players out and players dealing with injuries. Certainly Dallas, Radulov and Hintz are at the top of the list, guys who 
are going to have to try and figure out how to deal with lingering injuries. But I think we've been in agreement that that the biggest effect has been the mental grind. And I do think that the offseason can allow players to get refreshed. So you ask, like, how does how does a player get refreshed? Well, an offseason will help, right? So however long the offseason is, <laughs> right. the mental grind of this season, I don't know if there will be a significant carryover effect to next season. Physical effects, potentially. But I don't know that we've seen tons of guys going down with the nagging injuries that come from overuse, at least not to the best of my knowledge. I mean, the Lightning, fortunately, haven't really had that situation this year. When guys have been out, they've been out fairly short term. When it's an injury, like the Mitchell Stevens injury was not due to wear and tear, right? That was just a a freak play. And it does seem like he's going to be back, you know, sooner rather than later, which is, which is really good news. So I'm curious after the off season, if we do see any kind of ripple effect next year from this year, I know that, that you have, you have made that point and I just don't know the answer, but I, I believe that if it's only a mental fatigue or if the mental fatigue is the bigger issue this year, I kind of think that a, a, an off season that allows the players to refresh will help in that regard. Well, also, too, you mentioned the mental fatigue. It's a good point because not only playing every day, Dave, and understanding what your assignments are and being mentally sharp, it's what are they doing on the road? Yeah. You're sitting in a hotel room for the most part. Now, we're hoping in some states a little looser than others have been able to get out of your hotel, go to dinner, do the things you typically would do on a road trip. I but the league is think. not allowing the league does not allow the players to do that. Correct. Even if they are in a state that so has get, looser restrictions. Yes. So when you get into this mental fatigue, I think that part at some point, hopefully next year, we're back to normal in every state and the league loosens those restrictions, that maybe that gives the players a better mindset mentally than just going into their hotel room playing video games, reading books, or you know, going on Twitter, which is a cesspool, as you've heard me say all the time. <laughs> but I, I think that's that also can make you more mentally one fatigued. Of the things. I, I'll be Twitter. interested to yeah. I'll be honest you know, interested to hear, you know, what players do in the off season. I mean, some may just take you yeah. know, a full month and, and get away from press. it all and assuming yeah, they I mean they're gonna have their they're gonna have their training regimens, but yeah. usually usually there there is prescribed a period of time where you just get away from it. Just you would you think know, Keep now, keep the skates in the closet or in your hockey bag. You're probably not to, doing. Don't even a, go near an ice rink for for a few weeks. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna add one other part to this. Yeah, the playoffs. It was a show I think earlier this week that you said, how many times does the Stanley Cup champion have at least one round that is a quote unquote easier round? By easy you mean they finish it in like five in games. less than six games. Yeah, yeah five six. five games right. or less, five or four. That may be even more important this year because we talk about how do you get recharged. The playoffs are a grind in and of themselves. And if you can get through a series quickly, you'll get a few days, maybe more than a few days. 
And if you're then catching an opponent that didn't have that, had to play seven at the end of a long and grinding regular season, there may be an advantage there, which I think there usually is an advantage, particularly early in a series. We saw it last year. The Lightning jumped all over the Islanders in game one of the Eastern Conference Final. The Islanders had come out of, it wasn't seven, it was six, but they had had a long grind of a series with lots of overtime games against the Flyers, whereas the Lightning had a few days to get ready. Mm-hmm. And it made a difference, at least in game one. Then the rest of the series was was very, very close. But I wonder if that will be even more significant in this playoff year for teams to try and get through a series relatively quickly. Of course, they want to win the series, and they want to win it as quickly as they can. But the teams that can do it and allow their body sure. to rest and recover and get those extra days, because those days are going to be there. If you finish your series early, even if your next opponent finishes its series early, unless it's near the end, the league always waits until the entire round is done. So you can you can give yourself a chance to kind of catch your breath, but it's much easier said than done. I mean, there's no guarantee well, that you're going to be able to win a series in four or five games. Listen, most people will tell you, especially guys that have played, that first round's the toughest. And it's maybe the most physical day because for the most part, Guys are relatively healthy. Look, you're coming off a long season. I understand that. But, you know, a lot of people are just charged, juiced to go in that first round. And once the playoffs kind of linger, it's a war of attrition. You know, I mean, it's obviously some quality hockey being played. But they always talk about that first round being the toughest for various reasons. You get through that first round. Boy, oh, boy, if you can get some rest and if you can win in five in that first round, especially if other teams are just slugging it out, big, big deal, I think, in today's NHL with the shortened schedule. we got to take a break. We'll come back. Take more of your tweets at Bolts Radio. Please do that. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on a Friday. Keep those questions coming in, please. He is Dave Michigan. I am... Greg Lanelli. I tell you what, Dave, you know, uh, the players have got to be somewhat exhausted. I was talking to Brian Engblom last night after we signed off, and he's like, man, you know, getting off the air at midnight. He's 8.30 games. Not going to miss those. Not no. Not going to miss those, Dave. We're back you know? to 8 o'clock or earlier. Yeah. Unless something funky happens, I don't want <laughs> to go out on a limb. The Lightning have a makeup game against this team. Opening face-off, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, well, I tell you, you do a much better job of looking ahead at the schedule. I, I mean, I basically am looking at the next game because, yeah. I, you know, A, the schedule is just is what it is, but I, I'm just like, look, I... I Dallas you know, likes the 7.30 starts local time. The other yeah. central teams that the Lightning are seeing this year in their division, Chicago and Nashville, like the 7 yeah. o'clock local start times. It is what it is. We power through. Bob says, thoughts on the game last night appeared Tampa Bay ran out of gas in the second or took stars too lightly. Have played a lot of games in a short period. Won't be easy versus the Canes, but need to move on. Regardless, need a full 60-minute effort. And you know how I feel about the 60-minute effort, Dave. <laughs> I think every team and every coach, that it's not a pet peeve. I understand why they say it. It's yes. basically impossible to play a 60-minute perfect game even against a team like buffalo because they are professionals albeit you know at this point not very polished uh players right now for the sabers but even even buffalo is going to have a five minute period 
or maybe even a 10-minute period where they're pushing back. I think in that instance, and what makes elite teams elite, is that you're kind of able to withstand a team's push, not let it get out of control, and then you just you impose your will on that team once they're done gaining some momentum because, Dave, it happens. I mean, we've seen it against Detroit. We've seen it against teams that just aren't very good at this point. They are going to have moments where they push back. just happens. Uh, I don't think the Lightning, what did he write, took the Stars lightly. I don't think that that happened. I think it was a function of shortened lineup, frequency of games, some mental fatigue, some mistakes that, frankly, were uncharacteristic based on how the Lightning have played for, for much of this year. I guess the team that that played with high urgency, or at least after the first period, played with high urgency. I didn't really feel Dallas had a lot going in the first period until the last couple of minutes either. But it was almost like once they fell behind, it was like they got a, a bucket of cold water splashed in their face, the stars, and they recognized we absolutely need to get going here and we need to make a push to try and get back in this game. And they did. I thought, and Brian pointed this out. I know you guys talked about it too on the broadcast. I thought Matthew Joseph stood out a bit. He did last night, and that was really good to see. And that's where you know those those young legs, Dave. I, I do think come in handy. And boy, it would have been nice to have a guy like Ross Colton in the lineup because I think that's a game that the fourth line could have added a lot of spark to the to the team because of the wheels that they provide. You know, complimenting Pat Maroon. We've seen that over and over again. But it, it felt like. Joseph had some jump. Maybe it was because he was just, you know, being moved around a bit. But that's good to see. And and those are the type of games that, you know, a young guy can can make a difference who uh, isn't as fatigued and maybe not as mentally drained as some other guys, for sure. Well, I'll give you three guys I thought played really well, not including Vasilevsky, who had his usual really good performance. I mean, 41 shots, 37 saves, and I don't know that you could fault him on any of the, the, the pucks that got passed. I mean – Break two of them were breakaways. Pavelski makes a perfect shot from the side of the net, and then Robertson finishes an odd man rush down low after a turnover. So Joseph for sure, and if you noticed, Greg, after Tyler Johnson had that turnover at the end of the second period, he and Joseph switched spots. Now Coop also switched up the lines during the third period, but Joseph was elevated from that line with Maroon that was the line of two forwards, to ultimately a line with Gord and Palat, and they teamed up on Palat's goal to tie the game at three. Gord was another. And what's the common denominator here? You talked about Joseph with his young legs, and Yanni Gord never seems to get tired. <laughs> I mean, he really is like the Energizer Bunny, isn't he? He just never – he never stops moving his legs. And so this, this busy schedule – has not seemed to have affected him at all. He's got goals in five straight games, right? Yeah. Like, his motor never stops. He is perfectly suited to play a baseball-type schedule <laughs> in hockey. And I mean that in in the most complimentary way possible. He is dialed to just constantly have his motor going on high octane. Therefore... Whether it's five games in seven days or seven games in 11 days or whatever it is, he is noticeable because he's always pushing. Yeah. So I had those two. 
And I really like Cal Foote's game. So he played a career high in minutes. And some of that was due to the fact the Lightning did not have McDonough or Chernak. But I just feel like he's continuing to see his game grow. And he was out there on the Robertson goal, but that was a turnover that that did not involve him, right? Like he was trying to recover. He and Johnson actually collided after the puck got turned over, which which helped set up that open look for Pavelski, Hintz, and Robertson. Robertson ended up finishing it. But those were three guys I thought I thought stood out. On the other side of the coin, like it was not an overly impactful game for Braden Point. No. And or Stammer. Or Stammer. And and so like they do so much heavy lifting. They do. And so you can understand how and they weren't they weren't at the other end of the spectrum, like they weren't objectively poor. <laughs> it's just they weren't as noticeable as they normally are. And they could probably use a recharge at, at some point. And I think Victor Hedman is as great as he has been. And, you know, he had some moments in the game last night where, where he was involved in a, in a positive way. Like he had some uncharacteristic, mistakes for him I mean he did get split with Ruda on the hints goal I think that the Pavelski goal he was kind of at the the goal line extended but that was Hedman's spot and uh and the puck got to Pavelski so uh, again when we talk about the effects of the fatigue element like you can see it I I think that you can see it in some of the the top lightning guys and and how they didn't play their usual standard which is hard to do but there were other guys who who I thought were noticeable uh, even with the busy schedule, in a, in a really positive way. Rope Hints can play, Dave. Yeah, he can play. I Playing mean, on I, a, one a guy, bad something, right? Yeah, <laughs> very very impressed with him. And you know, if they're healthy and they're hanging around, uh, I could see I could see Dallas, you know, being that team. Sagan gets, just started skating, I guess. Yeah. back in the area. And why not? Why not have Tampa Bay and Dallas in the first round? Let's just get that over with. Let's just let's just make that happen. I think that actually would be a lot of fun, and that quickly, Dave, would get your attention uh, for both teams. I think to play their best. I want to get to one more question before we sign off. Uh, Brad says, and Dave, I think this is more of a hypothetical situation. So you know how we we can view that, but I think it's an interesting one. He says, looking back. Would it have been better to sign Carter Verhage than go with Volkov or stay with Tyler Johnson one more year? It seems like the Lightning were determined to make Volkov work. Well, the Good Lightning question. tried to move Tyler Johnson they did. and couldn't. So let's put that one aside. The difference between Volkov and Verhage, Verhage had arbitration rights. So the Lightning did not know definitively what they were going to end up having to pay for Hagee. Volkov was a restricted free agent without arbitration rights. So the Lightning had a much better idea. At the time that at the time they had to make the decision to qualify or not qualify these players, they had a much better idea of what they would have to be spending on Volkov than they would have to spend on Verhage because Verhage had arbitration rights, which gives the restricted free agent a little bit more power, which that player has earned because he's older. He's got more experience. So, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, Verhage is obviously 
found a home. He's he's fitting in very well with the Panthers, scoring a lot. He's a very good player. I think the Lightning understood that. But at the time, they did not know that they would get the long-term injury relief with the Kucherov injury. And they had to operate kind of making the best decisions that they felt they had to make at that particular time. So let's say you didn't ha- have to qualify a player until a month later. Maybe they would have maybe they would have qualified for Hagee if they had, the picture had become a little clearer about what they were looking at heading into this season. Uh, I just want to emphasize this. So I don't think it was that the Lightning didn't like Carter Hagee. <laughs> I think they did like Carter Hagee. I think that the problem was that they felt that given their tight cap situation, they couldn't make the the contract work. And that went into the Volkov deal, too. I think Julian Brisbois said, I would have loved to have kept Alex Volkov, but we've got cap concerns, and therefore I felt I needed to make this move. It's always, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but I, I think, you know, obviously for Hagee's turned into a phenomenal player for Florida, and sometimes those are decisions that you have to make, and listen, for the most part, the Lightning have made the right decisions yeah. over the years when it comes to evaluating their own talent. Uh, Dave, before we sign off, it is interesting just to bring this back to Carolina. I don't know who's going to be in net for them on Saturday, but we talked about Morazic and, and his injury. Nadelkovich looks like the guy they're going with right now, at least recently. I think he's played the last yeah. five games. and He won. I saw he won last night. He did. He was... He was good. He stopped 33-36, and he's given them a little stability. It's funny with him because clearly I don't know if they ever felt he was not only a number one goaltender, but I don't even know if they felt like he was an NHL goaltender over the years with all the goaltending issues they've had and the success he had at the AHL level. But maybe because of injuries and just an opportunity – he is getting that opportunity to play right now, and he's performing. I don't know what the long-term future holds for a guy like that, but, man, he's running with an opportunity, at least for Carolina. That's good to see, and if the Lightning see him tomorrow, they at least have a little familiarity with him playing this year. Well, I think a lot of people wondered what would happen in Carolina when Morozik got hurt and was going to be out long-term. He's still on the injured list, and Nadelkovich has played well. I mean, he's filled he's filled a hole, so they have not had to play James Reimer 80% of the games, let's say, which maybe some people thought they were going to have to do when Morozik initially got hurt. The Hurricanes are also cobbling together points. I'll use that phrase because they're they're hanging in there with, with the, the top three in the division, three points behind the Lightning with a game in hand as the teams get ready to play tomorrow night. Without Vincent Trocek who's been out for a little while. I haven't done a, a deep dive into into Carolina just yet, but I, I've noticed that he's been out of the lineup recently, and he, he is still hurt, like he did not play last night. That is a significant hole for the Hurricanes, yet they've been able to persevere without him. So impressive. Carolina's a really good team, no question. And uh, the Lightning are going to need to play a lot better in terms of their puck play and their coverage tomorrow night than they did last night. Dave, it was a fun week. We covered a lot. And we did. We will uh, talk about the game, uh, have the game tomorrow on Lightning Power Play at 7 o'clock, pregames at 6.30, and then we're going to do it all again for Power Lunch on Monday. Great job this week, Dave. Appreciate it. We'll talk you to you too. tomorrow. You too.
You too. Talk to you Monday. I'll actually talk to you tomorrow. You got it. That is Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Erskine as well. Thanks to all of our guests this week. Thanks to you for listening. More importantly, give us a five-star rating, please. Wherever you listen to our show, do it. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow. It's been Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.